All right, grab a seat. We're going to continue our series called Kingdom Marriages. There's nothing better than coming out of worship and then going right into the Word of God. So I'm going to, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into it. So God, we just thank you so much for your presence being in this place. Lord, we thank you that your word has the power to change us. It's not just a speech that's about to be given. It's not just a good inspirational quote that's about to be said, but it's the power of your life-changing word that's alive, that's active, that has power. And Lord, we just thank you today that, that it's going to change our lives because it's spoken out loud and we receive it. It's going to be implanted in good soil in our heart. And I declare that for every person here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I do want to thank you guys for being patient with us as you guys were like stacking in here all over the place, sitting on everybody's laps, basically. Uh, we got most everybody in here, I believe. So we want to thank you guys uh, for that. We're gonna, we left off last week in Ephesians chapter 5, and so we're going to continue there in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 31. It says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. We talked about a covenant marriage last week. This mystery is profound, and I say that it, I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And he talks about this as a profound mystery. How many of you guys would just admit just a little bit, you can be honest in church, that sometimes your wife is a mystery. Just go ahead, just admit it, right? So, so extra, yeah, extra hands raised there. I like that. Let's just be honest with that. Um, so sometimes marriage and a covenant marriage, a kingdom marriage can sometimes be challenging because it's a mystery at times. But I believe that sometimes marriage, and I'm going to extend it to any relationship, okay, friendships, any relationships that you're a part of, can sometimes be difficult because of another reason. And let me illustrate. Uh, when, I was, when we went on our honeymoon, we decided to go camping as part of our honeymoon, which, by the way, so there's no better test for marriage than to go camping on your honeymoon. And we found that out rather quickly. I thought, hey, it's going to save money. Hey, it's, you know, it's, it's good. It's, you know, we like camping, so let's do that. And so we went camping, and uh, there, there was, in Rocky Mountain National Park, there was no running water. There was no showers. There was no showers. Did you guys hear me? There's no running water. So that lasted like a day, and we're like, okay, we're out of here. Let's go to the hotel. You know, let's just forget this. And we tried. And, and uh, so then, then like 20 years later, a few years ago on our 20th anniversary, I decided, well, let's, let's kind of recreate that, you know? And so we went out to Colorado, and we decided as part of it we're going to go camping, and we found this amazing spot. It was just beautiful. One of the most picturesque spots I've probably ever been in in my life. But again, there's no toilets, there's no running water, and, but we decided to do it a little bit different this time, and, and we had our van. We put all the seats down in the back of the van. We, I bought an air mattress, and I'm going to put it in the back of the van. I'm not camping on the ground anymore. And so I put it in the back of the van. We're going to ride around like hippies and just have, so we went and again, about a day into it, there's no showers. Like I can't take this. Okay. So I, we, we went to a hotel, like we're done with that. Besides, whenever you are, you have an air mattress when you're camping, how do you guys know if there's two people on the air mattress, anytime somebody else moves, it's like a blob and shoots the other person up. So you're not getting any sleep anyway. And I have, I have a curse that I feel like is on my life, and it, the curse is this. Every single air mattress I buy deflates by morning. Does anybody have that one on them? I am serious. I've bought every brand. I've bought the, the expensive ones, the cheap ones, and every single I cannot remember one time that I slept on an air mattress and it didn't deflate by morning. 
In fact, this last vacation that we went on, we, they had to bring in an air mattress because we needed an extra bed. And I said, you probably shouldn't bother with that because I have this curse on my life. It's like the air mattress curse and it's going to deflate. They're like, no, we've got an industrial, like whatever, it's going to be fine. And so they bring one in. Sure enough, by morning, it's flat. They bring in another one. By morning, it's flat. They're like, well, okay, we'll bring it in. They brought in a third one, a different kind. It went flat by morning. And so I'm like, I just have this thing where when I try to go camping, it just doesn't seem to work out. So what do I do? I try again. So I went to, we went to Smithville Lake not too long ago, just a few weeks ago. And I'm like, forget bothering with an air mattress. They just don't work. So we got a tent, got set up, got, I'm just going to sleep on the ground. And uh, so I laid down there and it felt like a concrete wall was being pushed up through my back all night long. And besides that, there was people on one side that came and, and camped beside us that were, I'm seriously, they were speaking like Chinese or something, like really loudly. Then people on the other side were speaking Spanish. They moved in, they spoke Spanish all, all night. They stayed up both sides. They weren't even connected. They stayed up till three in the morning so I'm there with concrete pushing my back up like daggers in my back and hearing two different languages that I don't understand trying to speak all night long. And I had this thought, what am I doing here? My house is 10 miles away. I've got a bed. Like, what am I doing? And I can't, have you guys ever had moments like that before? It's like, so I, I, I came to this, this conclusion and I've had this in other areas of my life, but I had this idea. I wonder if... I'm in love with camping, or if I'm in love with the idea of camping. How you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, I've got this idea of camping and what it's going to be like, and it's usually like this. Like, I put, this is kind of my idea. Go ahead and put the picture up of what I think camping is like. This is what I think it's going to be like. <laughs> Perfect fire. Everyone's out there roasting s'mores or whatever. But how many of you guys know, this is like generally what it's like. Put up the next one. This is what it ends up like. <laughs> That there is an RV, Clark. If you don't know that reference, the movie's coming up for some of you guys. But that's what it generally happens. And I say all that to set up an idea because I think some of us go into marriage and relationships and we think we're in love with marriage and relationship and being together. But I think sadly, as I've found out as a pastor and just living life around people, too many people aren't really in love with God's way of marriage. They're in love with the idea of marriage. They're in love with the idea of being in a relationship. And can I just tell you guys, if you haven't figured this out already, there are probably two different pictures. You've got an idea of what it's going to be like in your mind, and then when it happens, it doesn't turn out like the idea. And it doesn't mean it has to be a bad how it turns out. It's just usually not how you expected it to be. Which, by the way, if you happen to be dating right now or looking in one of those, you're looking for somebody, I'm telling you, you've got an idea, but just be prepared. It doesn't mean it's going to happen the way you think it is. And so why is that? Because we have two different people that enter into a relationship, right? Have you figured this out? The men and women are different. Guys, have you figured out you can't have a baby, okay? You just can't do that. You're different, okay? I, I don't know. There's things that you just, you're different, right? Guys go to their cave to fix the problem. Women go and whatever. And, and I was having this conversation. This isn't, I've got to speed up because we went long last night. I, we, we ha we're having a conversation and it's like, I'm just totally different. I, I want to, I mean, as soon as I hear what the question or the problem is, it's like, I've got an answer, you know? And 
that, but I've got five ladies that live in my house and they don't want answers. They want conversation. And so I figured that out after about 20 years, guys, I figured that out. So we got two different people. So Ephesians chapter five, verse 21 uh, says, we read this last week, but submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I'm not going to re-preach all the depths of that message. That's last week's message. If you missed that and what all that means, you can catch last week's message. But what I do want to do is to dream our way to a better marriage. Like, what if God's way was working in our life? What if these things were actually happening that we just read? What if two people are actually connecting in this way? You know, and, and so let's dream, and maybe in a couple weeks we'll talk about having a vision for our marriage, but... Uh, let's dream just a little bit, and I'm going to have you play along, so I'm going to have you fill in the blank. Uh, here's what I want you to do. To dream a way to a better marriage, if my spouse would blank, so everybody get an idea of something that could improve your marriage, okay? Blank, fill in the blank. If my spouse would blank, we would have a better marriage, okay? For some of you, it's very simple, like, just take out the trash, okay? Just for others of us, it's a little more complicated. It's like learn to deal with conflict or learn to forget whatever it is. If my spouse would, okay, everybody kind of got something in your mind, right? And we're kind of dreaming our way to a better marriage. It's good to dream our way to a better marriage sometimes. The problem is it misses the point entirely. Because what happens when we go down that road is we end up having a false belief and we end up believing something wrongly. And here's the false belief that we have when we go down that road. Here it is. That happiness in our relationships is based on what the other person does. So whenever we're thinking, well, if they would just fill in the blank, we've got a false belief going on there. We believe that happiness in our marriage is based on what the other person does, which creates a counter false belief, which means also that unhappiness in my relationship is based on what the other person does. And so then we have this going on. Now, what we're going to get into is is this understanding of how to untangle that. But I want you to hear this, that a healthy marriage is never the fruit of performance because performance can change. Performance is like being on a stage. Performance is seasonal. When you're dating, how many of you guys experienced maybe some performance by the other person? Like, this isn't the same way you are now that we're married because it's seasonal. Perform a healthy relationship isn't based on performance. It's based on a process, and so we're going to talk about what that process is. But a lot of us have this, this controversy between the idea of what is real and what is our imagined version of how our relationship should go. So I showed this a couple years ago, but it was so good and so powerful from Andy Stanley. Watch this. Mr. and Mrs. Mug met right after college, and like many people, and they, you know, he saw her and said, I, ooh, I got, you know, and she's like, woo, you know, and he had a degree and a future, and she was, you know, look at her. I mean, she's a knockout, so she's, all oh, that's working for her. And so they started dating, and you know, when they first started dating and hanging out, they were so careful because he's trying to win her heart, and she's trying to win his affection, and, you know, it's just, they were just so careful, and they had a few little, little problems along the way, and there were a couple of bumps in the relationship, but they were just so careful, and everything was going to be great, and then they got married, and then about a month into their marriage, they had a, a, a problem, they had a bump, and stuff came out, 
And, and, he, and he looked at her and said, whoa, where did all that come from? And she looked at him and said, well, I didn't know you had anger issues. And he said, well, I didn't have anger issues till you bought me. Oh, there it is again. And then they had another problem and they, they just were, so, and she went to see her sister and she said, I didn't know he was like that. And he went to see, he went to see, you know, he went, I don't know, we don't know where guys go. They don't go anywhere, you know. He looked in the mirror, perhaps, I don't know. And he sat around thinking, wow, she makes me so mad. She makes me so mad. Whenever she brings that up, I just get mad. And if she would quit bumping me like that, then I wouldn't be so mad. My, my wife, you know, she has issues. And so he says to her, he says, you know, when we, when we were dating, I didn't see all this. I didn't, where, where's all that coming from? She says, well, every time we get in an argument, you make me act that way. Now... It's been entertaining so far, even if you haven't learned anything, right? <laughs> now, here's what I want you to see. Mr. Mug thinks the reason the blue beads come out of him is because they keep having conflicts and she keeps bumping him. And Mrs. Mug thinks the pink beads keep coming out of her because he keeps, you know, they keep having problems and he keeps bumping her. But here's the, here's the truth. The reason blue beads come out of Mr. Mug is because that's what's in there. And the reason the pink beads come out of, you writing this down? The reason the pink beads come out of Mrs. Mug is because that's what's in there. Good, so good. All right, that's what's, so I'm gonna show a video and then reveal a point for every point today. And the, the point for this, this first one is this. What's in you is what comes out of you. What's in you is what comes out of you. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 28 says, In the same way, husbands should also should love their wives as their own bodies. See, it's, it's connecting to what's in us. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. And I'll say this, if you're in a relationship right now, you are only as powerful as what's in you. You're only as powerful as what's in you. And the truth is this. Here's the truth. A healthy marriage takes two powerful people. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a concept that I learned a long time ago from a guy named Danny Silk. And he describes this. He describes powerful people. And again, it takes two powerful people. He describes powerful people. A powerful person is basically this. A powerful person is someone who can manage themselves no matter what the other person is doing. That's a powerful person. A powerful person is basically, that's a loose definition, but it's somebody who can manage what happens. It's basically saying this, I can handle what's happening on the inside of me regardless of what happens on the outside of me. That's a powerful person. So here's the question. Do you spend most of the time in your relationships feeling powerful or feeling powerless? When you're in your relationship, you feel just powerless. Like, oh, I just can't, she makes me, he makes me. Or do you feel powerful? Because again, a powerful person is someone who can manage themselves no matter what the other person is doing. Now, here's, here's what I want to say. In my relationship with, with Becca, my wife, Becca can't make me mad. You realize that? 
She can't make, I'm not saying that because she doesn't necessarily do things that might be an opportunity for, for me to be mad, but she can't make me mad. Let me put it a different way. I can't make Becca love me. I can't, because I can't make her do anything. Yet we get into a relationship and we say, you make me mad. You make me do that. You make me upset. You make me react this way. And the truth is you're only as powerful as what's in you. The, the truth is this. The only way love happens in a relationship is if you choose love. And we see this from Jesus. Jesus said in John 15, 16, it says, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And that's the foundation for love, by the way. It's I chose you or I choose you. So if I want to love Becca, I, here's how it happens. I choose to love her, not based on what she's done, but based on I manage me and I tell me what to do. That's a powerful person. It's very simple. I manage me. I tell me what to do, and I do that. I have the capacity to manage myself. What's that saying? I'm saying you won't ever have to worry about my half of the relationship because I'm a powerful person, and I can manage what happens on the inside of me. This is what Jesus did for us, by the way. Jesus chose us, and he chose us not dependent on whether we would do anything in return or not. He simply chose us. And, and he chose us, and he, what he was saying by that is saying, you never have to worry about my half of our relationship. How many of you guys know we never have to worry about God's half of this relationship, right? Because he chose love. Now, how does that look in our marriage? Because love means I choose you, and you will never, so if you really want to love somebody, what, what you're saying is I'm choosing you, and you will never have to worry about my half of the relationship, because I'm choosing love, because I'm a powerful person. Love says I choose you. So here's what happens when you have a powerful person get married to a power, or a powerless person get married to a powerless person. If you have two powerless people come together, you end up with a controlling relationship on both sides. And here's how it happens. Because a powerless person, again, a powerless person believes that what happens on the outside affects them. That's how they believe it works. They believe that what the other person does is, is affecting them, that they, they have no control over it. So if you put a powerless person and a powerless person together, they spend so much time and energy trying to control what the other person is doing, whether it's because they believe, if I don't control what you're doing, you will make me mad. If I don't control what you're doing, you also have the capacity to make me happy. So I have to control every interaction, every single thing. That's, a, that's not a powerful person, guys. That's a powerless person because they believe that everything is external. They believe this. It's your, this is what a powerless person would say. It's your job to control my half of us. It's your job to control my happiness. It's your job to calm me down. It's your job to not make me mad. It's your job to love me the way that I say you have to love me. That's a powerless person. And when you get two powerless people together, it ends up in a battle for control. And it ends up in constantly controlling one another all the time. Because here's the truth. If I could make Becca do anything, why would it make sense for me to make her mad at me? 
If I could make Becca do anything, I would make her believe that I'm the most wonderful, awesome person, which this is all true, guys, but awesome person in the world. If I actually had the power to make someone do anything, why wouldn't I make her happy with me all the time? The truth is, I can't make her do anything. I can't. But yet powerless people believe that that power actually exists and they use it wrongly. So now what happens is when you get a powerful person and a powerless person together, here's what happens. You end up in a dependent relationship because a powerful person believes that they can manage what's happening on the inside of them. It can be gray sky Seattle all the time outside, but they know they can have LA sunshine on the inside, right? Have you guys ever met a person like that, that they are a powerful person? They have managed that there can be a storm outside, but they have the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. They have the fruit of the Spirit on the inside of them. They know that, so there's sunshine happening. So what happens is a powerful person who's got sunshine on the inside comes up to a powerless person, and the powerless person who has gray skies gets close to the powerful person with the sunshine, and they're like, you make me feel really good. Like that sunshine is spilling over to me. And so they get closer because they want to feel the sunshine because they believe that this person's sunshine is what makes them feel a certain way. And so they begin to tell the powerless person, maybe you can make me feel this way all the time. And so the moment that the sunshine person starts to let down the powerless person, they think something's totally wrong in the relationship and totally wrong with that person. So you end up with a dependent person and the powerless person is trying to make the powerful person do both halves of the relationship. Is everybody following me on this? All right, so when you get two powerful people together, what do you have? You get freedom. Because there's one person on this side who says, you don't ever have to worry about my half of this relationship. I choose you regardless of what you're going to do. And no matter what you do, if you're disrespectful to me, it doesn't matter because I can still choose to be respectful for you, to you, no matter what you've done to me. And then this person over here says, well, I'm also a powerful person and I choose you. And I choose that no matter what you've done or no matter what happens in this relationship, I am going to choose you because I am a powerful person as well. And I've got the fruit of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. And Jesus lives on the inside of me. And I can manage what happens on the inside of me. Guess what you have in that relationship? You have freedom in that relationship. Because you're only as powerful as what's inside of you. And what is inside of you is what will come out of you. So powerful people know this. They know how and they've decided to manage themselves regardless of what the other person is doing. This is good stuff, guys. If you didn't know, this is life-changing stuff, okay? So I'm gonna have my wife, Becca, come and help me preach this message. Give her a big hand as she comes up and shares. I am so happy to be here. One reason is because this is a marriage series. So I wanted to give you guys just a little background, just a little context so you know what kind of a marriage we have and what kind of marriage we started. No, I won't. <laughs> what kind of marriage we started out with. So if you've been coming to Journey for a while, you have an idea of this guy here. You know, he's a little intense at times, right? He's a very high energy kind of guy. He is a um, very strong personality. And usually what happens in, you know, when two people get together is a high energy guy will meet and kind of be drawn to a, kind of a more laid back, kind of low energy girl or vice versa. That is not the way it is here. Um, I am also a very high energy person. When we have a work day, we get like an incredible amount done. 
I can be pretty intense at times. I am very, very stubborn. Um, do inanimate objects challenge anybody in this room the way they do me? Oh, come on, please. You know, like a heavy box, right? So, yeah, that heavy box is daring me to lift it. Oh, I'm going to lift it. You know, I'm weeding my garden and I'm, you know, pulling the weeds and pulling the weeds and pulling the weeds. And then all of a sudden there's a weed that won't come up. I'm not going to go grab the shovel. This weed is daring me that I can't pull it out. And so I may end up bloody and with pulled muscles, but here's the weed, you know. And so it's like this illogical, irrational, I'm going to win and I'm going to win the way I want to win. And so this, you know, we got married. I was 19. He was 18, um, which is lots of fun, by the way, because when I turned 40, you know, he was... She was in her mid-40s. I was in... I was 30s. Yeah, so... Right. It was lots of fun. So anyway, we were very, very young. Um, We had a lot of growing to do. And I think 20 years ago, if we had answered that question, if my spouse would just then our marriage would be better. I'm almost positive we both would have put something like, if my spouse would just let me be right all the time, then our marriage would be so much better. Uh, So anyway, he is, uh, his way of arguing back then was, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going until I'm right, until I win. My way was also the same, but I would get frustrated before he would. And I would just be like, you're right. I'm sorry. You're right. Okay, I'm done. I'm sorry. You're right. And so that is also very controlling, right? I'm deciding when the argument stops. I'm deciding who won in the argument. Now all of a sudden I win, you know? And so, (laughs) but that is so wrong. I mean, that's just what we're talking about because I kept shoving it. You know what I mean? I didn't really think he was right. Um, And so it was something inside that on on the outside, it looked, oh, very you know, self-righteous and very holy and very pure. I'm backing down. See, look, I'm letting you win. But it wasn't right because um, it was creating, it was a powerless person that was inside. And that, that did come out. It did come out. What was in me came out at all the wrong times. Yeah, so if you don't deal with it as an, yeah, go ahead. If you don't deal with it as an attitude in your heart, you'll end up dealing with it as an action in your life. So we've got to deal with those things on the inside of us. And so point number two, let's kick it off with a video. Donnie, you can shush me at every opportunity. So we're all straightened out? You happy, Peppy? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, it's just an expression. All right, well, that's very sweet of you. Okay, I'll call you later. All right, bye. Hey, what? I had a very interesting lunch with George Costanza today. Really? We were talking about our lives, Uh and we both kind of realized we're kids. We're not men. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes, we did. (laughs) Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. (laughs) There isn't. Absolutely not. I mean, what are you thinking about, Jerry? Marriage? Family? Well, they're prisons. Man-made prisons. You're doing time. You get up in the morning, she's there. You go to sleep at night, she's there. It's like you got to ask permission to to use the bathroom. 
Is it all right if I use the bathroom? Really? Yeah, and you can forget about watching TV while you're eating. I can? Oh, yeah. You know what? Because it's dinner time. And you know what you do at dinner? What? You talk about your day. How was your day today? Did you have a good day today or a bad day today? Well, what kind of day was it? Well, I don't know. How about you? How was your day? It's sad, Jerry. It's a sad state of affairs. I'm glad we had this talk. Oh, you have no idea. (laughs) All right. Point number two is this. If you don't choose to be powerful, you'll feel like a prisoner. You will feel that way. You will feel powerless. You'll feel like a prisoner. Ephesians 5, 24 says, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So here we have this idea of sacrifice happening again that we talked about last week. Here's the truth, and I'll lay out my case for it, but only powerful people can truly sacrifice. You say, wait, wait a minute, I, I, I'm like the powerless person you described kind of there, but I feel like I sacrifice all the time. Well, let me set this up and show you how I don't believe that's possible. I don't believe powerless people can actually sacrifice, and I'll show you why here in just a minute. But when we first got married, like, or well, right before we got married, we, we were 18 and 19, and we were driving in the car, and we were talking about marriage, we were talking about getting married, and we really believed and when I remember having this conversation, I'll never forget it, but we're driving down the road and we were talking. And I was like, it's possible that we might actually have, as we get married, we might have the very best marriage ever. <laughs> we are so connected with one another. We get each other. We're like perfect for each other. We're best friends. Like this is like Guinness Book of World Records stuff. We are a part of it. We're living history. This is it. We have made, we are going to make the best. I mean, we really believed it. We were so stupid. We really believed that that was it. I'm serious. I remember having that conversation and we found out that it kind of wore off. That sensation kind of wore off because there's actually studies that talk about infatuation. When you talk about falling in love, it's really infatuation, okay? And there's studies that there's chemicals in your brain that get triggered whenever you have that feeling. And when those, it's almost like getting a cocaine hit, almost. Those feelings in your brain, those, those, those triggers in your brain happen for different reasons. And one of them is when you have that butterfly feeling on the inside. It triggers something. And so what happens when that butterfly feeling wears off? Well, you feel like there's something totally wrong with the relationship. And so here's what you'll do. You either get mad at the other person because you think something's wrong and something happened and something changed, or you'll be nice to them. You say, well, why would, why would, if I felt that way, why would I be nice? And here's why that happens. Again, only powerful people can truly sacrifice. Because what happens is if you need that hit in your brain of feeling loved or feeling that feeling again, Many times what people will do is they'll end up doing something for the other person. But it's not, it looks like sacrifice, but it's not really sacrifice because what it is, is it's either repaying them for something they did earlier. So it's making a payment or it's making a down payment for something that you now owe me. So I'll do something very nice because I want to have that hit in my brain again. And so I will do something nice that looks like sacrifice. You could fill in the blank, whatever it is. 
But we do so, and again, a powerless person believes that if I can control that situation, and sometimes we'll, we'll do something that looks like sacrifice to control it because we want to place a down payment, now you owe me tomorrow. There's a difference between a payment and a sacrifice. A payment is when you owe, it's paying something back. But a sacrifice is, is saying this, there's nothing that you owe me. There's nothing. I'm not repaying you back. I'm not placing a down payment. I have no expectations. I am choosing love. Only a powerful person can truly sacrifice in that way. So if you're powerless in a relationship, you may be doing things that look like sacrifice, but they're actually placing payments or down payments. And, and, and we've got to understand that Jesus was a powerful person. He was... There was no time when Jesus wasn't Jesus. It wasn't like he was walking around sacrificing and, and making down payments. No, he sacrificed because he was powerful, is powerful. So do you have that about you that creates a culture that protects your core values that you say that I will respect you no matter what you do, that I will sacrifice for you no matter even if you never do anything back? And in fact, I'm not even doing that with that in mind. I'm sacrificing simply because I choose to love you. And that's, that's what a true sacrifice is. Yeah, I just want to make just a real quick point here. Um, you know, he talked about how men and women are so different. And for us, one of the major differences in our marriage is temperature preferences. Um, it's always freezing in this room. I don't know if anybody else thinks that. He's always hot. They will be treating me for frostbite while treating him for a heat stroke. And we're looking at each other like, what in the world? But so anyway, he's talked before how much he loves saunas. And I hate saunas with everything in me. I'm like, why are we going to sit here and sweat? That just does not seem fun. So this last time we were at a sauna and he's sitting there and, you know, he's got his eyes closed and he's just relaxing. And I'm sitting there and I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be quiet, but I'm like, oh, it's hot. I'm hot. It's hot. I can't breathe. I can't, I can't think. I'm just ugh, it's so hot. And he, he probably is sensing this horrible energy coming from me. And he looks at me and he's like, just be hot. You're in a sauna. You're gonna, why are you fighting being hot? Just be, and I had this thought, and I don't think I admitted it right then, but I thought, you know, you're right. I'm like fighting the idea that I'm going to be hot in the sauna. I'm sitting there and not wanting to be hot. Um, and so just as silly as it was for me to sit in a sauna and not expect to be hot, it's also silly to sit in a marriage and not expect to sacrifice. You're going to sacrifice. There's going to be times that you give and give. And there's going to be a lot of times that you give and give. Um, so, but only powerful people can truly sacrifice. And what makes it powerful? It's knowing where your source is, right? I think sometimes we pray and we ask God, God bless my marriage. God bless my marriage. Make it the way it's supposed to be. So that then we can look to the marriage to fill our needs. You know what I mean? We can look to the marriage to make us feel a certain way instead of understanding that God is our source. Uh, Jimmy Evans talks that, or teaches that every human being has four basic needs, acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. And a powerful person will understand that God meets those needs. And so if I am not putting this crushing weight on him, that he has to meet those needs. He has to make me feel accepted. He has to give me identity and purpose and security then I can't ever truly sacrifice because I'm always going to constantly be doing things to make sure that he gives me those things back. See what I mean? So only a powerful person understands 
that I can rest in God and truly sacrifice for him. Amen. Amen. All right. One last point, one last video. Let's watch. You can't tell me to shut up. I just did. Well, you can't say that. Shut up. So three years in our marriage, we're ready for a divorce. We hated each other's guts. I hate you. We say stuff I can't repeat in church. Now, we went to church. We go, lift our hand, and shine that hickey mode, and man, praise God. We go home, and I'd sleep on the couch. Just leave the bed. Shut up. You shut up. Because <laughs> he didn't realize you don't find a marriage. You build one. Jesus didn't find a church. He built a church out of thumb-sucking, hell-bound sinners. You don't find the life, you build the life. It's about building things. So we had to make our mind. We got to start building this and quit tearing each other apart. We got to start saying what God says. Start with that, by the way, you had to shut your mouth. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Let no evil communication come out of your mouth unless it ministers grace to the ear. The first thing we had to do is just stop talking ugly. We didn't say anything nice. We just wouldn't talk. We'd look. Somebody say something, we'd just stare back. What are you thinking? Nothing good. What is it? God bless you. Well, God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> so we yell, we yell for months till finally one day we just got tickled. Like, kind of stupid, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, like, and so finally we started speaking good things. I believe you have the mind of Christ. I said, I think you're stupid. That was a dumb decision. Well, I just believe you have the mind of Christ and wisdom of God. You better believe I do. I believe you do. Well, I do. I believe you do. Well, bless God, I do. Well, then you walk around, my God, I better. She's thinking I got it now. I got to get right. I got to do what's right. All right, he said it in there, but point number three is embedded in there, and it's this. You don't find a great marriage, you build one. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her. Can you hear some building going on? He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word so that he might present her, present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. See, the goal in marriage is really oneness. It's, it's that shared covenant we talked about last week. Oneness is the result of two powerful people sacrificing for one another. That takes work. You don't find that. You build that. That just doesn't happen to you. You build that. Now, if you want, how many, anybody here want a great marriage? Anybody want a great marriage? I hope that if you're married, you want one, <laughs> okay? If you want a great marriage, let me give you just some little instructions here. If you want a great marriage to become a good marriage, Here's what you do. Do nothing, and it will happen. If you want a good marriage to become a mediocre marriage, do nothing, and it will happen. If you want a mediocre marriage to become a bad marriage, has anybody seen a pattern here? If you want a mediocre marriage to become a bad marriage, do nothing, and it will happen. If you want a bad marriage to go to crisis, do nothing to build the marriage, and it will happen. See, that happens when powerless people believe that the other person makes them do something. And they're waiting for the other person to build the marriage instead of building the marriage. Powerful people do that. Becca has one more point. I think one way that we build or tear down our marriage is what, how we respond inwardly during conflict and during hard times. So do you let conflict or hard times change the way that you see your spouse? Uh, I know that when I first started to get, get to know Sean, there were two traits about him that I just loved. Two of the many, many wonderful hundreds of traits. She's, she's 
saying that she's saying that because last night she said two traits and then she forgot one of them. I did. I forgot one of them. <laughs> it's because there were so many. I couldn't remember which two I chose. God bless you. You're right. Yeah, right. <laughs> I just heard him say I was right. That's all I heard. Okay. So the two things were that he was very strong. You know what I mean? When he had something that he knew was right, he would stand for it and wouldn't back down. And then the, the second one was that I never had to guess what he was thinking. He would always say what he was thinking. I liked that. That gave me a certain sense of security. And, um, but guess which two traits, five or ten years down the marriage, became to be so irritating to me. Um, were those two traits, you know? And I'm not saying those are bad traits. Those are still two of my favorite things that I love about him today. But what happened? He didn't change. I changed, right? My perspective, my attitude, the way that I looked at him changed. And so I had to realize that and then make sure I made a shift in my thinking and not let uh, hard times uh, color that in my vision. Two things I pray if we're going through a hard season. And one thing is, God, don't let me put up a wall. Don't let me put up a wall. I don't care how much it hurts. Don't let me put up a wall. Um, and number two, God, don't let this change the way that I see Sean. I need to always see him for who you made him to be. And um, so just real quick, I, just, I, I mentioned this last time we preached on this, but there's, you can write two lists. And on one list, write everything that, they, that disappoints you about your spouse. Every time they've hurt you, everything. On the other list, write every wonderful thing. Every time they sacrificed, every time they forgave. Put one of those lists in a drawer and look at it maybe twice a year. Put the other list on your bathroom mirror and read it every single day. And which list you decide goes where um, is probably one of the most important things you can make for your marriage. So you choose, you choose the way that you see your spouse. It's good. <clears throat> Let me just say one more thing about that putting up a wall thing, and I, I believe this is for people here today. There's a difference between having boundaries in your relationship and letting those boundaries then turn into a wall. Boundaries are necessary at times. Walls are heart issues. Don't ever let a boundary turn into a wall, okay? But you don't find a great marriage, you build one. So I'm gonna have the worship team come back up here at this time because we're running out of time, but here's the truth. The truth is what we really need in our marriages, and if you haven't caught this, what we really need in our relationships is Jesus. How many of you guys believe that if two people in a relationship get one with Jesus and his thoughts, that they ought to be able to be one with one another, right? So many of us get stuck in a point where we think, well, there's no way this is gonna work, there's no way. Listen, if you get one with Jesus and your spouse gets one with Jesus, there is no way, there's no reason why you can't be one with one another. There's no reason. There's no excuse. There's no, that's the way God designed it. That's the way he designed it. And let me tell you, some of us just simply need to have humility. And let me tell you how I define humility. I don't think of humility as thinking less of myself because that's not humility. This is the way God's really revealed to me what humility is. Humility is thinking God's thoughts, not my own thoughts. The most humble thing I can do is think God's ways, not my way. And sometimes God's thoughts are bigger than my thoughts. So sometimes when I humble myself, I think bigger things, not smaller things. And some of you need to humble yourself in your marriage and start thinking bigger things, not smaller things. 
Start thinking God thoughts, not your thoughts. Start looking at your spouse the way God sees them, not the way that you see them in the natural. That's a powerful person. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do that. Years ago, I was, uh, well, over the years, let me just say it that way, I've talked to many, many couples in crisis in their marriage over the years as a pastor, over and over and over again, sadly. And he would get into a situation, well, he did this and she did this and we can't fix it and we can't, this no longer, I'm done, I'm done, you know. And finally, I was sitting there with one couple one time and the Holy Spirit just dropped a very simple question in my heart for them. And it was, here's the question. And I just sat there and I was like, hold on, hold on. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to do this the Bible way? Do you want to do this marriage God's way? And how they answered that question dictated where we went next. Because if they said, yes, I want to do this God's way, then I would open up the Bible and I would say, here's what it looks like to forgive. Here's what it looks like to come together. Here's what it looks like to pray for one another. Here's what it looks like to serve one another. And if somebody says, I want to do this the Bible way, there's no reason why a marriage can't work out and have a place of God's best. And when they said that, we would start working towards God's best. And it may take a long time, but we'd get there. But the moment they say, you know what, I'll just be, and I had people be honest with me. You know what, Pastor Sean, I really don't want to do it God's way. I just want to do it. It just doesn't work that way. And I'd say, okay, we're done here. I don't have anything else to talk. I don't have anything to offer but the Bible. Either we believe it or we don't. That's all I've got. So we're done. That's fine with me. It's a waste of my time. I don't want to sit here and talk to you anyway, you know. Sitting fun for me. So I started asking that question at the front. <laughs> like, I don't, wanna, I don't even want to meet with you if you don't want to say yes to that question. And the truth is, most people don't. No, you don't understand. It doesn't work out this time. Nope, this is just the way it is for us. Can I just tell you that's a lie from Satan? That's a lie. And what we're going to do is we're going to speak life over our relationships right now. So would you stand up with me as we get ready to close? Here's what the truth I want you to understand. Let this, let this just rock your world like thunder right now. Because of Jesus, every marriage can have a reset button. <laughs> every marriage can have a reset button because of Jesus. Because with Jesus, there's always a reset. There's no problem too big. There's no relationship that's too far gone. There's no sin that's too strong. Jesus did it all. So God, right now, we thank you so much for the reset. I pray that there would be some people who get a hold of this today and become powerful people through the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that we've got the fruit or the result of having the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. So even if we don't have love in our heart that comes from our natural place, we can have supernatural love in our heart. Even if we don't have joy in our heart that comes from a natural circumstance, we can have supernatural joy. Even if we don't have self-control that comes from our natural, we can have supernatural because it's a result of having the Spirit of God on the inside of us. And we thank you that in you, we can be powerful people. We can have powerful relationships. We can serve one another. We can truly sacrifice for another. We can truly choose regardless of whether the other person chooses us or not. And Lord, I speak that over every marriage that's in a great spot today. 
that you would help us to become more loving towards one another, that you'd help us to serve and sacrifice for one another with joy. Lord, I pray for every crisis marriage here today that you would help deposit this reality on the inside that there's a reset that's happened, that, there is, that you are the God of not, you're not the God of the grave, you're the God of resurrection. And we just speak that right now. And I just pray for fresh hope to come because of what you've done on the cross. It's not based on our works, so we don't get the glory for it, and neither do we have to strive for it. It's everything that you've done. We rest in that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship him one more time.